Well, good morning. It's hard to believe that uh, Christmas is actually two weeks from today. Hard to believe that it's already here. I hope that you're, you're ready for it, that your, your tree's up and your lights are out and hung, and uh, that you uh, have all the family gatherings arranged, uh, maybe Christmas parties and Christmas concerts on this schedule. And, of course, I hope you are making progress in the gift buying department. That's always something that takes a little bit of time to do. Um, as I was thinking about today, I thought, what are, the, what are some of the best Christmas presents that I've, I've ever received? I think back to the time when I was a kid, and of course, like all kids, I was excited about Christmas morning. Christmas Eve, we would open a few presents and then go to a late night um, Christmas Eve service. Those are the Christmas that, you know, presents that, you know, like socks, underwear, sweaters, things like that. And the next morning, that's when you were really excited because you'd walk downstairs or run downstairs and, and look at the presents underneath the tree and wait for mom and dad to get up so you could open those presents and see what was inside. Um, a couple of presents that stand out to me as a kid. Uh, one year I was really hoping to get these electric uh, uh, race car tracks and do figure eights and, and loops and you could have parallel uh, tracks where you could race and you had remote controls. That was really cool. I got that. And another year, the one I really remember was I was waiting for the day of being a farm kid. You had to have a BB gun, right? And so I was waiting for the day when I would be allowed to have my own BB gun. So I no longer would have to pester my brother, my older brother, to borrow his BB gun and his BBs. And I actually got a BB gun one year. I think I was 17 years old. No, I wasn't 17. <laughs> I was probably three. Maybe. I don't know. My dad was very permissive with guns. So, um, and, and then as uh, now that I have my own family, um, it's kind of fun because my kids, when they were younger, they would give me little homemade gifts. You know, they would wrap it themselves and... And they would do, use, um, you know, maybe some coloring paper and some glue and tape or whatever. And they'd make you a card and sign it. And those are always really special to me. And then, of course, I'd be remiss without, without saying that my wife is very good at giving gifts. She's very thoughtful. And um, a couple that stand out for me, a couple of years after we moved here, um, she knew that I loved music. I absolutely loved to listen to music. I like to listen to a lot of jazz and, you know, classic rock and a variety of things, Christian music, a lot of things. And so she saved up and she surprised me with a, a stereo system with some, some Bose speakers. So that was really cool. I still use that today. Uh, a couple of years ago, she gave me a gift. You know, sometimes you'll get a gift and you'll think, okay, what's behind this gift? She gave me a workout bench. I'm thinking, what, what, what are you trying to say? I, I choose to believe that it was, you know, take it as a positive, as a positive thing. So I'm sure as I talked about that, some of the, your favorite gifts probably popped into your head. But what makes a great Christmas gift. Okay. Certainly there's the content as a part of it. Certainly the actual content of the gift, if it's something that you're interested in and want. But what is behind a great gift? Well, there's a few things I would say would be behind a great gift. Obviously there's the thought, you know, the, it's the thought that counts, you know, the thought behind a gift. Um, certainly there would need to be uh, some demonstration of love. You know that the person loves you by the gift they give you. Um, and then also, I would say, an understanding that just shows that you understand. The gift reflects an understanding of the person who receives a gift, right? Those are some of the best gifts. Uh, and the best gifts, of course, to use the cliche, are the gifts that keep on giving. The gifts that, um, for years afterwards, bring you joy. It might be something you actually use for a long time, or it could be perhaps a special memory that is created that you draw upon year after year after year. Well, today, um, as we getting, are getting closer and closer to Christmas over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at 
obviously some of the gifts that Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of all, gives us. And when you think about, uh, when you look at the intent and an understanding of who we are, our needs, and a gift that exhibits and illustrates love, then Jesus Christ certainly, of course, is the greatest gift that's ever been given. But Jesus is also a multifaceted gift. Uh, There are a lot of blessings and a lot of gifts that come out of Jesus Christ's relationship with him. And so what we're going to be doing today is looking at one aspect, one blessing that comes from receiving Jesus Christ as a gift from God. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And I'm going to read that along. You can you can follow along if you'd like as well. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. As I read, listen for a gift. Okay. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now certainly the primary gift here, the greatest gift, the focal point is the gift of Jesus Christ, right? A Savior has been born. He's been given to us. But what's the, what's the blessing that comes out of the gift of Jesus Christ that, that is laid out here? Well, the one I want to focus on is the gift of peace. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, this time of year, many of us find it hard to find some peace. It's hard to find a, a few moments to yourself just to have peace. Busyness of the season, kids' activities, church stuff, concerts, work and family obligations, gift buying, it can be hard to find peace at this time of year. Like the woman who was so very busy, stressed to the max with all her Christmas preparations. She realized one day that she had not sent out her Christmas cards. So she ran to the store, grabbed the first box of Christmas cards she saw, went home, addressed the envelopes, stuffed them inside, put them in the mail. Didn't even have time to read the cards. On Christmas Day, she saw the 50th card laying around. She had left it behind somehow and, and thought she ought to see, after all, what the cards she had sent out said. So she... Read on the outside, just a little card to say. And she opened up and said, a special gift is on its way. Think she was a little bit stressed out, you know, at that point. 49 gifts that she was going to have to send. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at how Jesus Christ can take our fears, our worries, our stress, and give us peace. True peace. In the passage that was read from Luke 2, I think it's interesting that the very first thing the angels say to the shepherds is, do not be afraid. Now, obviously, anybody would have been afraid in that situation. They were shepherds out in the countryside, right? Just stars, sheep, and a few co-workers. And all of a sudden, the, the, the heavens part, and a huge chorus of angels descends. Of course, they would be afraid. But the angels begin with, do not be afraid, because they want to assure the shepherds that what they're there to announce is nothing that they need to be afraid of. Rather, it should be something that should bring them joy, And ultimately will bring them peace. 
And the peace that the angels mention is the peace that we as human beings need most of all. It's nice to have peace in our lives when there's a lack of conflict, right? That's nice to have. But the angels aren't talking about that kind of peace. It's nice to have a, a, a peace when there is, um, everything is going well at work or in your life and your health. That's nice to have. But the peace that the angels came to announce was a peace that allows barriers to be broken down, peace to be established between people of all kinds and sorts, and ultimately, the most important is a state of peace and harmony between us and an almighty God. Many of you may have uh, read the book Unbroken or maybe seen the movie Unbroken that came out a year or two ago uh, based on a true story, a true life story of a man named Louis Zamperini. Uh, among many things in his incredible life was he was captured by the Japanese and held at the POW camp in, in, in Japan. And in the POW camp, he's brutally mistreated. He's stripped, he's, he's beaten, he's hit in the face. Uh, it's a very bad situation for him and the other prisoners. And then one day they're told that they are to bathe in the ocean. So they're marched into the ocean. And as they walk in, they realize they're surrounded by soldiers with guns. They, they feel that any minute they're going to be executed. But then suddenly allied planes fly overhead. The war is over. Peace has come. And it changes everything. Their status, their freedom, their perspective, their relationships. Everything changes because of lasting peace. Well, the angels announce a peace, the kind of peace that is to change our lives and to change our world. It's a peace with God, which is our most fundamental need. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ has come to earth to take care of our, our sin problem, the things that separate us from a holy and perfect God. Through Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God. Through Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's family as, as his children. He is for us. We don't have to wonder about where we stand with God because of Jesus Christ. It's the foundation for the peace that the angels came to announce. But, but it's more than that. It begins to flood our lives, this peace, with, with a peace that's independent of circumstances. This is what Paul writes about in Philippians. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that's not dependent upon whether things are going well in our lives. It's independent of circumstance. It's a peace that Jesus promised his disciples and us in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Peace. But what's important here for us to understand is that this peace that was offered to all is not experienced by all. The angels say peace to those on whom God is pleased. God's peace is available to all. It's offered to all, but a response is required. I like the phrase on whom his favor rests because it takes the pressure off of us. 
A Savior has come and He's taken the initiative in pursuing us. You know, one of the hardest things in the world is, is when you meet somebody that you really want to impress. Maybe it's a, a first date or um, an interview for a big job or you meet somebody you always looked up to, an important figure or a famous person or powerful person and you want to make a good impression, right? And, and when you feel that pressure, it's hard to relax and, and to be yourself. You're on edge, because you're trying to earn their favor. Well, this passage frees us from that when it comes to God. God knows us. He knows our good and our bad. We can't hide anything from Him. We aren't tr- supposed to try to impress Him. We're certainly called to obey Him and to love Him and to serve Him. But we cannot earn His favor. All we are called to do is to respond, to receive with empty hands and open hands and open hearts what Christ has done for us, what He's offering to us, to receive His peace. I love what John Piper says about this passage in Luke 2. He writes, There is hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when He created the world or when He came to reclaim the world in Jesus Christ. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy. His beauty, our pleasure, The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised for His glory by a peace-filled new humanity. Don't we all desperately want and need peace in our lives? When we have more bills and money in the bank at the end of the month? When our health is fragile? When our family relationships are less than we had hoped for or expected? When our shortcomings and failures weigh us down, don't we desperately need peace? Peace in the midst of difficult circumstances, peace in the midst of pain or loss, peace in the midst of regret and disappointment, peace from guilt and shame, peace that passes all understanding. That is the peace that Jesus Christ came to give us on that first Christmas. And it's still offered to us today. And miracles, uh, miracles, God Himself hand-delivered it. He sent the angels, yes, to announce it, but He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. He sent Jesus Christ to deliver that message, to deliver that peace, because Jesus Christ Himself, the presence of Jesus Christ, brings us peace. You see, God is the perfect Father. He knows what we need better than we know ourselves. That first Christmas, He no doubt looked down upon His people and He saw their struggles. He saw their pain. He heard their questions. Where have you been, God? Why is our world unjust and unfair? When are you going to show up? Don't you care? Are you here? And no doubt there were some of God's people at that time who questioned if God actually existed. And conclude that if he did, that he was maybe a God who was detached, that he was far removed from their hurts, their fears, ruling from above. Can anybody relate to that at times? You know, one of the trends the past few decades or so has been this search you see for spirituality, uh, an attempt to connect with somebody or something that's bigger than ourselves to find true meaning and significance and peace. People pursue it through meditation or self-empowerment. 
Eastern religions, experiences, yoga, crystals, etc., etc. It's a drive, a desire that's innate. As Blaise Pascal said, all of us have a God-sized vacuum in our hearts. We are created for relationship with Him and we will not have peace until He is in our heart and in our lives. There's a story that I, I want to share. I've, it's one of my favorites. I've shared it a couple times over the years, but I, I'm going to do it again because I think it so powerfully illustrates God's identification with us at Christmas time and, and how it expresses His love for us and His service and care for us. It's about a um, missionary named Joseph Damien. Uh, he was a missionary in the 19th century and he, he worked on a, at a leper colony on the island in the islands of Hawaii. Uh, those he served grew to love him and revered the sacrificial life he lived among them. One morning before Joseph was to lead them in their daily worship, he was pouring some hot water into a cup. The water swirled out and fell onto his bare foot. It took him a moment to realize that he had not felt anything. Gripped by the sudden fear of what this could mean, he poured more hot water onto the same spot again, no sensation whatsoever. He knew instantly what happened. As he walked tearfully to deliver his sermon, no one noticed at first the difference in his opening line of his message. He normally began every sermon with my fellow believers, but this morning he began with my fellow lepers. On that first Christmas day, God stooped down to earth and in the person of Jesus Christ said, my fellow human beings. In the incarnation, God became human. He identified with us. He established solidarity with humankind. No longer did we have to wonder if God is distant or that if he cares or wonder if he understands or if he hears us. That first Christmas, God became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing event to think about. We hear about it every year. But when you think about it, the God who created this vast, incredibly vast universe, all powerful, all wise, loved us so much that he went to the extreme measure of coming to us as a mere man. But not just any man. He didn't come to us as a superman, powerful and strong. He didn't come to us as a nobleman, rich and powerful and privileged and connected. He came as a baby, born to a humble carpenter and a teenage wife. He required feeding and changing. He, in whom all things have their life and being, was dependent upon Joseph and Mary for his very earthly life, his earthly life. Philippians 2, 6, 8 summarizes this incredible happening where it writes, it says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That might seem kind of odd to mention the cross during Advent at Christmas time, but Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter are inseparably linked. God's love for, us, love for us is expressed in each event. On Christmas, He identifies with us in our humanity. On Good Friday, He dies for our sins and pays the price for us. And on Easter, He lives after death so that we can live after death as well. Christmas is the the first step of a giant, incredible, loving God as a tiny baby 
to love us and save us from sin and death and to give us what we most desperately need, peace, peace with God. And so no matter what's going on in your life today, know that God is for you. He's not against you. No matter whatever anxieties you might be experiencing, know that as you hand them over to Him, He will grant you His peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that will last. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We're grateful for the greatest gift of all, Your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know that Your gift of Jesus is offered to all, but we, we need to respond. And so, Father, I, I just pray today that if there are any people here today who have not responded and received the gift of Jesus, that they would do so now. That they would reach out and say, I want your peace. I want your son, Jesus. I accept him as my Savior. I want to live for him. Lord, we offer ourselves anew to you today. We say that we love you. We thank you for the gift of peace.